Music, science, cosmic culture. This is the Blue Dot Podcast. The The Brighton Founded Project of songwriter Dana Margolin, the lead singer of a band who in 2020 were Mercury nominated for their album Every Bad. And that album's followed this May by waterslide diving board Ladder to the Sky. Welcome to the Blue Dot Podcast with Porridge Radio. What you take from me, I don't ever want it back. I don't want to go back. Dana, welcome to the Blue Dot Podcast. Thank you. I want to start with the one big question that the rule book says you never ask a band. But where did... Now you know what's coming, don't you? Where yeah, did I don't know the answer. <laughs> I'm afraid I can't. Have, I have a no go. idea. <laughs> Without no even idea. asking the question. <laughs> I can't answer it. If I knew the answer, I'd tell you. I'm sorry. Are you glad you went with it? No. <laughs> yes. Um you don't choose things like names. You don't choose things like bandmates. They just things happen and you end up with these things and you you just go with it. Did you intend to end up with bandmates? So you were a solo artist for a long time first, weren't you? Yeah, I mean, it was a long time ago. So that was probably when I was 18. I was doing it on my own for a few years, but I am now 28. So as a band, we kind of came together about seven years ago. And in those teenage years, was that in Brighton? Yeah, no, it was in Brighton. It was kind of like as I moved from London to Brighton, I went to uni there. So it was kind of in that that bit of my life. <laughs> what did you do at uni? I did anthropology. How's that played out for you? You know what I love? When I start talking about anthropology, I always go, <laughs> I go a bit too far. But um, yeah, I love it. I think as a subject, it was like I was 18 and I didn't know what I wanted to study. And I was really, it was like, I was interested in a lot of things. I was interested in politics and science and religion and philosophy and languages and I didn't know what to do and I found a course called social anthropology and I didn't know what it was and it turned out to be a combination of all my interests which was just like people how people live what they do and like the ways that people do it all over the world and it completely changed my the way that I look at the world and the way that I think about everything I think it I think I find this with a lot of people who I meet who study anthropology, which isn't that many, but they often have a particular worldview or a way of a a way of kind of approaching the world and approaching people and things that people say. And I I think it like has it really affected me in the way that I just think about everything. And how is that then compared to anyone that hasn't studied anthropology? I think that like obviously anyone anywhere can approach the world from a way where they're they're open and willing to question their own perspectives and the ways that they come into things and also able to understand that there's many different ways of understanding the world but I think the particular way that I studied it the way it was taught to me I think it just really it like really drilled it in that there that there can be many correct ways of thinking about things and that they can be completely contradictory and that people everywhere are very much the same but also doing different things and it's I mean like it's (laughs) there's so many elements to it and I actually haven't studied I mean I left uni what five six years ago I don't know so it's it's been a long time to get into specifics but yeah I think it's definitely about kind of the way that you approach things and that's not to say that people who haven't studied it don't know how to approach the world it's just quite a unique way of thinking about things are you in a club what an anthropology club no but I should join one I really haven't done any anthropology reading or anything for a very long time but I did absolutely love it 
Do you think that course, that degree, affects your songwriting? I did start writing songs and, and like performing them when I was studying. And actually, in a way, yes. I mean, I don't know necessarily, but it was at uni that I started playing open mic nights on my own, which was the first time I'd ever performed my own songs. And I did some field work in Brighton. Um, I went to loads of open mic nights and I would perform at them and I would interview people from an anthropological perspective and did like a whole write up on open mic nights in Brighton as part of, I just, cause we were just, you know, you could choose anything for your field works. So I just chose that. And I was really obsessed with writing songs and playing those songs at these open mic nights because it was such a new experience for me to be like performing in front of these people who didn't care what I was doing and they didn't know me and they were only there to perform their own thing. And I was really fascinated in how in an open mic night you've got a room and it's generally kind of upstairs in a pub it's kind of to the back and there's no stage everyone's on the same level you're kind of you're either borrowing someone's guitar or like bringing your own <laughs> crappy guitar along and like you know I, there was always like a beautiful girl playing like beautiful folk songs and singing with a beautiful voice and then like the guy who runs it who's like it's kind of like cool <laughs> and then you've got like the old men and it's the same people on the circuit all the way around and the way that the room is set up means that it's quite a democratic space because everyone's taking turns I got very into it I want to find that actually and read it how did you fit into that space yourself I would just like get up and I would just I generally do two or three songs I didn't have that many songs at the time and I didn't know how to tune my guitar I would actually borrow the guy's guitar and get him to tune it for me and I would just play really hard and I would just yell and just like scream out these songs that were like incredibly emotional and raw and there were always like there were a few of the older men who kind of adopted me and would be like you're really good we really you know we really like you but then you know the the rest of the room's like who are you what are you doing it was like just fully it was testing what it was like to perform it was learning like I never performed at school I was never into that kind of scene and and then realized that I wanted to try it I didn't know if I could sing I was like, well, I'll just see what happens and just go for it. I had a friend who did them and um, he kind of told me about them. And I think I went to one with him and then would just go on my own because it was part of the whole thing was that I would go on my own so that I could explore all these parts of my performance or like ideas of what I wanted in a performance without anybody I knew being there to judge me. And then only after I'd done that a bunch of times did I start to let people in and invite, you know, like, one friend to come along or my anthropology fieldwork group <laughs> to come along. What do you remember about the very first time? Look, take yourself right back there and remember the pace and the performance. No idea. Absolutely none. Could be anywhere. It was probably like upstairs at a pub in Brighton, but I don't know which one was the first one. It was less like that first one wasn't necessarily as important as the whole process of doing then. I think like that period of maybe six months where I did that was the first time it wasn't that there was one first time it was that it kind of all it's like all clustered together as a clump of times <laughs> a clump of first times how did that t- turn into a career in music <laughs> I actually have no idea I always I'm always like what am I doing <laughs> how did I do this I'm so confused I think because my bandmates kind of found me and they got it how did they and, find you? Um, like one of them was going out with a friend who then um, showed her all my music 
that I'd kind of posted on SoundCloud that was like very badly recorded. And she came up to me and was like, I wanna, I wanna do this. So like another one came up to me after I'd kind of played one show and was like, oh, the bass is Maddie. She was like, oh, my stepdad, no, how, how did she get a bass? She'd like got hold of a bass somehow. And she called me and was like, I don't know how to play it, but can I come over? Cause I know you play guitar. And I was like, yeah, okay. Or like um, my, our drummer, Sam, they, I used to make zines and kind of print, screen print t-shirts that I designed and I would sell them in Brighton at like a little stool. <laughs> this was all while I was <laughs> at uni. <laughs> and um, Sam just walked down from there. They'd like just started, they're a year below at uni and they'd like walk down the street and like just kind of walked up to my stool and picked up one of my zines and in it, Georgie, who plays keys, had written like a little thing in it. And I, like, it was all very, then they were just like, oh, I know them. Or like, I know those bands. Like I play drums. I posted online, like anyone play drums? They were like, I play drums. It was all very like, we didn't know each other, but we we kind of knew of each other and we found each other in this. Because people are always like, how did you meet your bandmates? I'm like, I don't know. It's like in Brighton, they just, we kind of just gravitated towards each other and were excited about the idea of playing music without knowing how to play it. And not knowing what we would do. I mean, like some more than others, I think Sam had a much stronger understanding of how to play instruments and theory and things like that. Whereas like I came into it from a kind of chaotic, I want to make a mess and be vulnerable and be loud and and just like push buttons and see what happens and stand in front of a room of old men and scream at them and see how they react. And so it just kind of like, it fell together in this quite organic way. And then my manager now, Josh, he kind of was there from the beginning as just a really good friend and was always really supportive and would always offer feedback. And there was one point about four or five years ago where he was just like, I want to manage you. And he hadn't managed anyone and was like, okay, we just kind of sat down and like, okay, well, what do we want? It was like, maybe we want to sign to a label and make this a bigger thing and like have the infrastructure to make this work. I was like, a, maybe this could be our jobs. And so we're always kind of pinching ourselves like are we are we still getting away with this thing <laughs> like are people letting us do this <laughs> uh, did actually... you ever have another job yeah I was um when I was in Brighton I worked for a few years as a PA to women with a disability so that was just like a private care job I guess and I worked as a nanny in London and in like doing admin at charities and stuff like that over the years were you always writing songs along the way yeah, I think I've always written songs. I think I never really thought of it as I was writing songs, but like I, even as a child, I'd kind of walk around writing songs in my head without knowing that I was doing that. And then, or like knowing that that was a thing. I was just like, <laughs> these sort of things. Um, and so, yeah, I've always tried to write songs as regularly as possible and keep it as kind of a moving practice where I kind of challenge myself to write bad things regularly so that I'm always in the... Like I don't I don't sit down and think I have to write a good song now. I just kind of think oh, I'm in the mood to mess around and I'm just going to write something bad. And that's kind of how I end up writing things that I like. Is songwriting easy? For me, sometimes. <laughs> yes, no. <laughs> it's really hard. It's also really easy. It's fun. I don't know. Is anything easy? <laughs> it's going to me. I want to know what kind of rantings there were in those zines that you were doing you know, at uni. I was collecting all my friends' art and poetry and photos and putting them all into zines and then kind of drawing little things and interspersing it with my own work and just trying to like create a booklet of people I know, knew, no, who 
were making things. Was it all art or, or did you have words in there too of yours? Yeah, there were, I mean, there were other people's poems. I don't know if I ever published my own writing, but I would kind of write an intro that was, hey, thanks for picking up our zine. Check out all the stuff. I love these guys. And then I would draw little pictures. I remember I drew, um, I had this little wizard and a dog series of drawings that I did that were kind of throughout the whole thing. I would have maybe expected some strong opinions in there. No, I think they were a bit weak. I think I could go back and probably make a better zine. But maybe that is the same with everything you ever do. Because if you look at something that you made when you were 20, you'd probably say, yeah, I could do that better now. Because <laughs> I am <laughs> not. That was like nearly 10 years ago. So, so um, with the band, you either did or didn't ever form. That was in Brighton. That was in Brighton. Yeah. That was when I was at Sussex. Okay. Um, it was Brighton when you kind of got together and did or didn't actually yeah, form and then, the band. Yeah, and then we lived in Brighton for five years. I lived in Brighton and we were very much a Brighton band. We were born in Brighton, as in as a band, we were born in Brighton. We all lived in Brighton and we practised in Brighton. We played like a few shows a week in Brighton. It was very much a Brighton thing. And then I moved to London a few years ago. And you were called Porridge Radio by this time. We were called Porridge Radio before we were a band. We were called... <laughs> uh, the name came around when I was writing songs on my own and uploading them to SoundCloud and changing the name every time. And that was, you know, a while before I met, like years before I met those guys. Yeah, it's like all these different threads kind of came together and met. When do you uh, think you got recognition for the first time as a band? I think... um there was a point at which kind of we started playing shows and there were a lot of local people, friends and just random people who'd stumbled upon us in Brighton who started to be like, you're, you're amazing, we love you. And we'd be like, yeah, we are. <laughs> <laughs> you really have that kind of confidence. I don't know. I think it's kind of a fake it till you make it thing where, you know, I could say, yeah, we're the best band in the world or like we're the worst band in the world. It doesn't really mean anything as long as I'm just kind of enjoying it and finding some kind of meaning in it and sharing that and connecting with people I don't I don't know if there is you kind of have to have courage in your conviction of the thing that you're doing and take a risk with it and not overthink it so if someone says are you good I'm like obviously we're good what do you think what are you talking about (laughs) what was getting signed like it was really satisfying gratifying it was great it was both those things it was kind of like we have been working so hard for so long at this thing. And there were a few years before then where we did want to get signed and we didn't know how, because we didn't know how the industry worked. We didn't really have a, like a game plan of like, okay, we're going to make an album or we want to make an album. How are we going to make an album? We don't know. And so it was kind of like, it got to this point where for years we'd been, I'd been booking our tours and we'd been driving them ourselves and sleeping on floors and self-recording in like we've recorded our first album in Sam's shed back home. It was all very DIY and a lot of work and it was really exhausting. And then suddenly it was like, oh, here's like a bunch of labels who want to sign us. We have options, like people might care about us. And we're suddenly like a buzz band in all the lists of bands that get to be called buzz bands. <laughs> and it it felt really special. It felt it felt like, oh, we're not just these kind of chaotic, messy people who don't know what we're doing. We're like 
we we can take ourselves seriously because other people are taking us seriously. Even though it might seem like chaos, is that something you wanted to portray because you seem like a non-chaotic, super intelligent person? Thank you. That's so kind. I don't want to appear chaotic, but I do think that we... There is like an element of mess making in Porridge Radio. In that, you know, when we started the band, we'd often spend band practices lying on the floor eating snacks and crying. You know, it's like there's a... <laughs> there's, there's that element of the band, but also there is the part where I do have a really strong idea of what I'm doing and I care about it immensely and I think about it all the time. What is that? Art and music, albums that we're making, like artwork that I'm painting, things that I want to do live and people I want to work with and think like all these different elements of being in a band they're really important to me um, and I think making a body of work is really exciting and every time we do it like I'd say an album is a body of works so every bad it's like a body of work as I said album itself and all the surrounding artwork and all of the way that we perform around that and then this album that is about to come out water slide diving board ladder to the sky equally I spent a few years thinking about how that that world was going to be created. And I find that really, really exciting. Every bad got a Mercury nomination. Do you remember getting the call to tell you that? I did. I was, again, I was just like, what? That's funny. <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> also, you find out a bit before everyone else does. So my manager called me and he was like, okay, you can't tell anyone this, but you got a Mercury nom. And I was, I was actually driving to Brighton at the time because we had, I think we were about to film a live session or something in Brighton. I was just kind of like driving on my own, like very confused by it. And just, I think I just laughed and thought it was silly. And then later on saw the band. Luckily I saw the band that day. So we all huddled into my car and I was like, okay guys, it's top secret information. <laughs> but, and we all just kind of were like, what? That was really amazing actually. That felt really, it was baffling, but it went in a good way. Did you tell anyone when you weren't supposed to? I didn't tell anyone. I didn't even tell my mum or my sister. Literally no one. And I swore the whole band to secrecy. I don't think any of us told anyone. And then when it was announced, I remember... <laughs> I remember someone at the label being like, wow, you really didn't tell anyone. Like, you really kept it a secret. <laughs> You've mentioned your mum a couple of times. She's obviously important to you. Of course she's your mum. What would your mum say to a friend of hers, right, um, who maybe hasn't heard Porridge Radio... How would she describe what her daughter does? It's really funny because my parents are so proud. <laughs> and they're always like, they're always like, Dana, I hope you don't mind. I sent your song to my friend. And I'm like, it's fine. Like, it's a, <laughs> it's a public, <laughs> it's in the public arena. <laughs> you can send it. <laughs> because they're so self-conscious about how, like, overbearingly proud that they, they could be. They kind of, they pull back and they go, we're so sorry for, for, for you know. <laughs> are either of them musicians? No, not at all. How do they describe Porridge Radio? I would, I should ask them that how they would. I think um, I think they kind of just go like, "Oh, Dan is in a band," and then would send the music, and then <laughs> <laughs> and then not hear back. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then you know when their friends get back and they go, "Dana, I have to tell you what Pavla <laughs> said," or like, <laughs> you know. And my sister made our most recent video for um, Back to the Radio, which is the, si the first single from the album. And so they're obviously just like immensely proud because it's a great video. 
And so they'll send it around. And my dad was saying yesterday, he's like, I sent it to my friend. And he just texted me back and said, you didn't tell me that Ella made, Ella made the video. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. Double it's proud. <laughs> it's very cute. It's, um, I feel very lucky to have that kind of <laughs> <laughs> weird support. <laughs> it's lovely. You laugh a lot. <laughs> it's very infectious. You just caught me on a good day. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> The new album, so you mentioned it, Water Slide, Diving Board, Ladder to the Sky. Yeah. A brilliantly named album. It's coming out in May. It goes without saying that you had a plan. What was the plan? What's the plan? Um, (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think, so when lockdown hit, we released our last album on March the 13th, 2020. And that was the week before everything shut down. And at that point, I had a bunch of songs that I'd written that I knew I wanted to sit down with the band and figure out and also had a load of ideas for stuff and also was just craving being in the studio again and just craving. I knew that there was an album that was in me and it was ready to to be made. And so there was like that thing. And then Sam who drums in the band and also co-produced the album. We basically just demoed a load of stuff together remotely. So I would, you know, record a load of stems, a load of tracks and send it over to them. And they would kind of send something back. And we just did that for months. And then we found that we had loads of songs and ended up going into a practice room. We went to Pra Studios in Margate, which is part of the Pra Foundation, if you know, which is an amazing, it was an amazing resource to have access to. And we just had loads of time to just play those songs and make like we got to a point where we I knew there was an album we went in for maybe a week or two and came out and I was like I'm ready to go and record this thing (laughs) like let's do it and meanwhile we were doing that and that musical process was ongoing but because we weren't touring I also had a lot of time spent in my studio because I have an art studio which is I think my saving grace it's like the place that (laughs) I go (laughs) that is heaven for me and I spent so much time there painting every day and trying to figure out a visual world because I didn't really know I knew that I wanted to do the artwork for the album because I've always done the artwork for our music and I knew that I wanted to I didn't really know what it was going to be and it was over the course of the year going in every day and just painting and drawing stuff from photos I'd taken or coming up with stupid ideas I didn't really like that eventually got to this idea of water slide, diving board, ladders to the sky. But because of the timing of every bird, do you not feel like there's unfinished business from that album? Well, we're playing, like, at the moment we're touring and we play a lot of the songs from there. But actually, by the time we released that, because of the chaotic DIY nature of the band that we touched upon earlier, we'd actually been playing those songs live for years. And I was partly dreading the fact that I'd have to keep playing them even longer whilst I had all these other songs so it was like by that point we had I'd played all the songs we'd all like as a band we had played those songs live so many times that it was quite a nice relief to be able to not and then we're playing them now and it's really fun and I I really love them and I've rediscovered those songs just from having a break from them but we kind of did it backwards we like we played every bad live for a few years and recorded it and then it took so long that it almost felt like it had happened before it happened. That is quite an unusual way of doing it, actually, isn't it? And I kind of like it. There's a lot of sense in it. Playing the songs live, getting a reaction, knowing what should be on the album. Yeah, you figure it out. And also, we have a very particular chemistry live that is... I think it's kind of impossible for us to replicate (laughs) anywhere else. And we figure it out when we're 
practicing but it's, it's when we're kind of actually playing live on a stage that we get a real feel for what we're doing I think it's the same with a lot of bands it's the energy of being on stage and feeling the energy from a crowd that you get a feel for what the songs are and how they should be and if they should be different to how you've been doing it in the practice room and so to go in to record every bad we had that but we didn't actually have that for water slide and I remember really <laughs> freaking out it was March last year that we started recording it and no is that true anyway it was like the week before we went in and I suddenly it was like we haven't played any shows to live real life people for so long I don't know how this is gonna feel and so we just organized two very last minute shows in Brighton that each had it was a kind of a sit down audience at the Hope and Ruin upstairs <laughs> and maybe 30 people per show and we did two in one night and we just played through the whole of the new album before we recorded it so that we'd get a feel for what it would actually feel like being performed to people not just being performed to ourselves or one other person and so that was really um exciting that made it feel real and then and then we could go in and record having a feeling of what that would that would sound like do you love playing live I don't know it depends I <laughs> really it's hard I do really I definitely lose myself in it and get completely sucked into the live performance whatever I'm experiencing it takes me all the way to the like pinnacle of that feeling and what is that feeling well sometimes it's amazing and sometimes it's the worst feeling ever sometimes it's the best feeling ever so it's like if I if I go in a good place I can I feel like I it makes me feel really strong and really excited and connected if I go in and I'm not then I can end up feeling really anxious and <laughs> miserable at the end of it but I love it as a space to figure things out and I love it as a space to connect with people. You're a natural born performer, aren't you? I don't know. I don't think so. I I was very shy when I was younger. I think I just realised that I'm good at it. <laughs> 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 and then I like um <laughs> I like just taking a bit of a leap of faith as well. Does it even feel comfortable saying that in like <laughs> I'm a really good performer? I think it's really funny. You can just say anything. You can, but is that <laughs> earnest or not? Um, yeah, probably. <laughs> a natural born show off. I'm a natural born show off. <laughs> I don't know, because I could just as easily say I'm a really good performer as I could say I'm a really bad performer, or I, I guess that's not for me to say because I've never watched myself perform. I mean, I've seen like a video of me playing live, but I haven't. I can't be in the room with myself. <laughs> Maybe the mirror. I don't know. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, it's not performing. Isn't um, I, it's people. You know, people seem to engage with it. So I'm happy. We're excited to welcome you to Blue Dot this July, Jenna. <laughs> I'm very excited. So, have you ever been to Jardrobert before? No. Where is it? In the heart of the Cheshire countryside, you don't know that you're going to be performing under the world's biggest space telescopes. Oh, I did know. You know what? I do lose track of things. That looks unbelievably cool. I really... Does that shoot up into space? Yeah, man. It does. Like I said, it's one of the world's biggest space telescopes. That is incredible. Wow. Where do the bands play? In the, um, and in the little satellite dish, I hope. Not in it. <laughs> in the shadow of... In the shadow of a great telescope. Um, um, <laughs> Should we do this all again? I'll be more serious. Yeah, all right. That, <laughs> from the top, then. Yeah, okay. Okay, great. Dana, thanks so much. <laughs> You've been listening to the Blue Dot Podcast. 
visit discovertheblue.com to enjoy more episodes of the Blue Dot podcast and explore the lineup. Blue Dot returns to Cheshire's iconic Jodrell Bank this July with tickets on sale now. Mm-hmm.